And uh, for it's just a good spirit of God. You know, I, I, I hope and pray that we don't take it for granted. I, th- I pray we don't take it as just something that happens. It don't just happen. That's just a good hand of God. I was talking to Brother Ronnie earlier this week, and I, and, and I was telling him the greatest thing, the greatest thing, hands down, that we have in this place, the greatest thing is God has chosen to put His hand on this church. And if you ever lose sight of that, we ever lose sight of it, then it becomes being people and personalities and this all kind. And, and, and God will collapse. He can shut it down. I'm glad God can, can build it or He can shut it down at His will. And I'm glad that God has chosen to put His hand on this place. And uh, I appreciate the men we had on Tuesday night. They recognized that. They recognized that. And, uh, uh, boy, and I recognized it. And I want you to recognize that. And, uh, boy, I appreciate, uh, I just appreciate that fact. Uh, Genesis chapter number 8, verse 20. Let's all stand together and read just a couple of verses. And Noah builded an ark, altar unto the Lord, and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, neither will I again smite any more every living, everything living as I have done. Now here's the verse. While the earth remaineth, Seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. Got a thought I want to share for the next few weeks. Unshakable faith and unpredictable circumstances. Tonight with the help of God I want to give you a spiritual perspective How God looks at things in times of circumstances in our life that may be hard circumstances or challenging. I thought about our church much this week. I talked to many of you and had challenging circumstances. But I want us to look tonight at spiritual, scriptural, Word of God perspective in these times and I believe it's, it's a simple message, but I believe if, you'll, if you can open your heart and grasp it, it can be life-changing. I honestly believe the Word of God can be life-changing in our life. Amen. Brother Joey, how about you leading us to the throne of grace? Oh, yes. Amen. You'll be seated. 
Somebody has said that an optimist is a fellow who has three teenage children in one car. <laughs> Someone else has said that a teen, an optimist is one who goes to a picnic with four pounds of steak, five pounds of charcoal, and one match. On the other end of that spectrum, you have the pessimist who says that these are the glass half-empty people, if you will, and uh, one that will tell you all the reasons something won't work. Wherever you fall in the scale between an optimist and a pessimist, it's hard not to notice that our society has suffered uh, major changes. I mean, in the last 20 years, it's, it's just hard, it's just hard to to comprehend in just the last 20 years, the job market, for instance, has changed. The violence of our nation has changed. And the craziness of our world has changed. And most of us have been affected by some degree of that craziness, if you will. What I want to do, though, is get us back to the Word of God and what does the Bible say, what is the scriptural perspective that you and I ought to operate our lives by. I started to title this, Are You Operating Your Life from the Bible or Fox News? I started to title it that message. If you listen to Fox News or any news for that matter, they have 10 hours of bad news with a five-second good news segment within it. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, and, and you know, I, I, I was not long ago, I don't watch much news, but I, I was someone was watching it just for a space of time. And I got to thinking, you know, they got to create some of that because there's no way that much, they, they got to go hunting for it to have that, that much bad news. But tonight, with the help of God, I want to just give you a, just a simple thought of how that you and I as born-again believers, and let me say this, if you are saved by the grace of God, God has given us a book. By the way, how many's got your book? Amen. Amen. God has given us a book that tells us what our lives should be dictated by and not the world around us. I, I truly fear, I truly fear um, that too many of us, too many Christians that say, I, yes, I, I know I'm saved by the grace of God. I know I'm born again and I know heaven's my home and Jesus is my Savior and I'm thrilled about it. But I think we allow too much around us to dictate 
how we live and dictate our life. So let me just give you this thought tonight. First of all, we see in the text the pattern. God declared to Noah, he said this in the, in the, in the passage I just read. He said, I'm not going to uh, again curse the ground. I'm not going to destroy every living thing with another flood. He said, I'm not going to do that anymore. And he said this, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. What he's saying is this, I have set the world on a pattern. Uh, occasionally someone has said, well, you know, I, I just don't know if we're going to... Uh, we, we just don't have much summer anymore. Or someone will say, we just don't have much winter anymore. Well, that's not so. As long as the world stands, there'll be winter time, springtime, summertime, and fall of the year. Why? Because God has set it on a pattern. In the story of Joseph, Pharaoh has a dream. Has a dream about seven good cows, fat cows if you will, and seven lean cows. Then he has a dream of seven healthy ears of corn. Then he has a dream of seven withered ears of corn. Basically, Joseph interpreted the dream and said this, Pharaoh, there's going to be seven good years. Then there's going to be seven years followed by a famine. What he was literally saying, he's saying there'll be God's going to give seven good years and there'll be seven bad years. And he said, if you'll do certain things, put them in place, he said, you can save much people. And what it was, it was a pattern of what would happen. I was uh, thinking the other, uh, other day, and again, maybe me and Brother Watts was talking, but back in the 70s, how many remembers the 70s? You can make money hand over fist. I mean, you could make anything, produce anything, and, and the job market, you could, uh, you could, uh, quit a job, and that, by that evening, you could have three or four prospects. You could go, and, and you could find a job before the day's out. And if you was willing to work, if you was, wasn't lazy, if you was willing to work, a person could get a job in a factory and work their self up and make a halfway decent living. And uh, how many remembers those days? In a set, I mean, there's work everywhere. Everybody was wanting to hire somebody. Well, could you imagine, would you have ever dreamed in the 70s, in the 80s, the job market would be as it is today? It seems to be coming back a little bit now. But who would have ever dreamed that you're going to have a pretty good education to get most jobs anymore? And that's the reason why uh, people in, young people in high school have got to uh, go to school and learn something. Uh, 
Uh, it's amazing. Back in the 80s and 90s, the housing market was tremendous. I mean, everybody was buying houses and flipping them until it crashed. Sunk the whole economy just about. What I want to try to say is this. Everything runs in a pattern. Everything runs in a pattern. So number one, we see the pattern. But number two, we see the perspective. We say the housing market collapsed and, and the news said it's the worst it's been in 17 years. And that sounds pretty bad. But let me say this. In 1930, during the Depression, the foreclosure rate was 50%. 1930, the foreclosure rate was 50%. That meant half the people foreclosed on their house. Somebody said in 2010, the unemployment rate was 14.9%. Now that sounds pretty bad. That's, but, that, but that's not as bad as it was during the Depression. In 1930, the um, unemployment rate was 33%. In 2010, five out of six people got a job if you wanted to work. See, the ideal is all in how you put it in perspective. So we see the world's all set up in a pattern. And we see we've got to look at things in perspective. Now, here's the principle I want to give you. But before I share, let let me have everybody's utmost attention here. If you don't get anything, I want you to get this. If we obey this book... If we simply obey what God has said, then every promise God has made is ours. Now, not what man's made, not what politicians have made, not what your best friends, what God Himself has made. But if we don't obey what God says, then we're on our own. And I find that a lot of a lot of times our struggles and our challenges. Uh, let, let me give you just two. So and, and we both understand we, we all understand this one. Number one, if you're faithful in tithing that belongs to God, He has promised to bless you. If not, You curse everything you do. Now we say that, but we get challenged when we live that. When when we get challenged, when we can't make ends meet, when it doesn't work, and we're challenged and we're saying, man, what, what am I doing? But the reality is, we got to get back to obeying the Word of God. Because we obey God's word. He said, prove me and see if I won't pour you out a blessing. I've said this over and over. The people that, that honor God in his word, they still, we still have a lot, Bill. We don't get a discount on the water bill. 
We still have the same issues, but we have a God that's promised to help us. Second thing, the people that are fine, that are faithful to God, God will be faithful to them. Are you listening? I'm amazed at the challenges we have and the unfaithfulness of people. Give you a good illustration. We'll sell out God's day and then wonder why everything's a mess on Monday. Hey, what about this? Do all you're going to do in six days, honor God's day, and then on Monday, you might be challenged, but He's there to help you. He's there to help you. How many knows what I'm talking about? Man, that works. I'm telling you things that works. So if we are obeying the Bible, understand the Bible, then we're better equipped to deal with the issues and the tough times than those who don't. Well, things will be hard. Oh, yes. Yes. I visited a lady, young lady yesterday. Uh, her family, this young lady's got... Um, uh, cancer, and she's a young lady, and she's very sick, very sick, and um, I mean, very sick. But yet, it was it was such a blessing. I mean, and you could just tell, even though she's got the they've got the challenge, and there was just such a sweet spirit about her. She wasn't she wasn't upset. They weren't they weren't frazzled. They weren't all of this kind of stuff. It's just like the Lord had given them a peace that passeth all understanding. See, there's a principle. There's principles we have to put in place. But notice what this principle is found in 1 Timothy 6, 16 through 19. I want you to listen to it very carefully. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. But in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Let me stop here and say this. I think one of the worst slaps in the face to an holy God is when we ask God to bless us in whatever way and the blessing becomes bigger than the God that gave it. Let me read that again. Charge them. That word charge is demand their attention. Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, Willing to communicate. Lay up store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may hold, lay hold on eternal life. Now, we're going back to the pattern, perspective. Here's the principle. When we talk about those who are rich in this world, our mind goes to Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, 
these type of people. But compared to the rest of the United States, even in economically difficult times, we are rich. I never forget the first time I went across the border between the United States and New Mexico. And by the way, Mexico has a vast oil reserves, but it's really this. You have the rich and you have the very poor. There's no middle class much in Mexico, rich or poor. We crossed into Ocala, Texas. And, and I truly got shocked. I, I was amazed at, at several things. Everybody's house was a shack. Most of them, and those colonials, their house was not much more than our, my outbuilding was. Second, everybody had a fence around their house. I was amazed at that. Everybody is either a car standing on its side or it was a fence. Everybody had a fence around their house. Third, their cemeteries are elaborate. Statues and beads and flowers and they were beautiful. Kind of statues around. Everybody in Mexico's selling something. Kids sitting on a sidewalk beating a get the scene as loud as they could. Want you to give them money. Our interpreter said, and said, whatever you do, don't you dare go up to one of these little black-haired girls, pretty little, I mean, just baby dolls, and say, you're so pretty, I'm going to just take you home with me. In, in 15, 20 minutes, their mamas had their clothes there. So they have a better life. Everybody's selling something. Everybody. I mean, no matter where you went, everybody's selling. That is big old truck. Panel truck. He come by, and I couldn't make up the, the riding, but people was running up to it, and I asked that fellow, I said, what, what's, what's, what's he selling? And, and I was amazed, and he was selling pot, dope, you know, pot. Bill Sound's side pot. Nobody had a tag on their car. I said, what happens if you wreck? Said, about 10 of them will fly out hauling whiplash. That's what happened. You know, they, they, I know they don't. It's just, and, and what I, I wanted to say, I've come to a realization. And one of the fellows with us, and they're just being normal. He, he said, I just can't believe these children out here begging. And the interpreter said, sir, shut up. They're just trying to survive. Just trying to survive. They look at us. Now, and that, you know how to gauge? You know how to gauge wealth? I was amazed. We had uh, one with us as a preacher. He was well upholstered. You know what I mean. Well upholstered. They thought he was rich. Because they quite rich with having plenty of food to eat. And he was a little bit chubby or well upholstered. That's not called nobody fat. Well upholstered. 
Some of you would be considered rich there, you know. And, uh, uh, and it was, they was rich. So whenever you say this, and here's, here's the principle. It's easy to fall in the trap of trusting money. It's easy. The truth of the matter is, we throw away more every week than a lot of countries have all week to eat. Just because we've never seen, I've never seen nothing like that. Neil's probably seen it. I've never seen nothing like that. We preached under a street light. A hundred people came, sat under a street light. We started seven. We got down about 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, and they were still there. We got ready to leave. This woman came up and she said, I made you fellas something. Now I'm going to tell you something. I didn't eat that food over there. Because I didn't know if I was eating, you know, cat or dog or what I was eating. And I, I just wasn't, you know. And she brought some stuff in a bag, and and and, and it it looked like stuff rolled up in cornbread, you know. And I said, no, no. And the interpreter said, sir. He looked at me, and said, you need to take that. He said, it probably saved six months, so they could fix that for y'all. And I thought, you know, if they save six months, I'll eat if it kills me. So I, they had one in each pass, so we took it and. Uh, I, I don't know what it was. It wasn't nothing I'd eat before. So I might eat Rover. I don't know. I, what, I, eat, I eat it. And uh, uh, it's, it's amazing. Uh, but, but anyway, they, they, we, we are, are, are very wealthy. Even in hard times, we are very wealthy. And when he says, charge them to rich in this world... As far as this world is concerned, the United States is a very wealthy nation. Now, our struggle is this. We've been used to being a lot wealthier than we are now. That's our struggle. Our struggle is we've been used to having more than we have now. And so if we're not careful, it's easy to trust. But God said, now listen, don't miss this. We enjoy this not because of Uncle Sam. All he does is take it. Say amen right there. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lots in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Don't miss this. What you have, what you're blessed with comes from God in heaven. Again, notice the principle. We obey God. He's going to take care of us. How many of you believe that? How many of you know that? Enough to live it every day. It's amazing. So let me give you three principles. Number one, there's a a fragile trust which is forbidden. And putting our, our trust in money is the danger comes in this. When we have money, we think we're okay. I mean, we hear it everywhere. Money makes the world go around. Cash is king. 
Whoever's got to go and make some rules. But God said, no. It can all be gone overnight. God said, told the rich young fool, by the way, I didn't call him a fool. God called him a fool. He had a bumper crop. He said, what am I going to do? He said, I'll build barns. And he said, I'll put it up. Say, soul, lay back and take it easy. God said, thou fool, tonight thy soul shall be required of thee. And then whose will all of this stuff be? He's, the ideal is putting your trust in money is a very, very... It, it, God can give it and God can take it. I've said this. Now, now, folks, I ain't just preaching this. I, I'm just preaching. I, I'll tell you what. If you think I am just preaching this, I'll give you liberty to do something. You come up with Brother Ronnie and say, I just want to know what's a preacher do for missions every month. What's a preacher do in tithes and offers? I don't care. You have yourself. I don't just preach this. I live this. I know it works. And I know God has the power to put it in. But God has the power to take it out. You understand? He really does. And I want him to always keep putting it in. And that's the reason why it's a fragile trust when you put that which is forbidden. Second, there's a father we can trust to be faithful. I love your testimony, Jeff. I'm sitting out thinking, amen, that's right on target. Psalmist said, 37, 25, I've been young and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. We got a heavenly father that just like I'm the same way. My children wanted something and most of what my grandchildren want. Most. Most. Let me make sure y'all get that. Most of what they want they get. You know why? Because they're my children, my grandchildren. Boy, I got a heavenly father. You know what he said? That somebody said, I've been young and now I'm old. He said, I'm, I'm never begging, begging for bread. I, what God never fails to keep his promise, regardless of situations you face, you can rely on him to provide your needs. There's no true or lasting security found in finances, but there's complete confidence in God. Number three, there's a future trust which is fruitful. God expects us to use the resources He's given us. He wants us to be rich, not in material things, but in good works. A wealthy businessman donated $100,000 to build a church building. He was well off. And though he was, it was a generous gift, it was not one that made him a pauper by any means. Some time went by, and his business went bad. He lost everything he had. One day his friend walked by the church and said, Well, I, I, he said, I, I, I wish you, I guess you wish you had that money back you give that church. He said, No. If I kept that, I'd lost it too. He said, 
going out to church. That's the only thing I saved. Wow. There's a pattern, a perspective, a principle, then God's promise. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. We see the priority. God said, you got to put me first. Now God's not going to take second place to anything that you have, that you have, that you come to the conclusion that you want to argue about, that you want, that God's not going to put anything, anything you put before God is first, then you lose the promise of God. He wants to be first. Second, we also see the provider. It's God that supplies our needs. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. So let me give you about three pointers and then we'll be done tonight. Number one, we need to be careful who we listen to. I, I'm going to give you some of you some of the best advice you've ever done. Quit watching news. Quit watching the news. It's making you fearful. It's giving you a mentality of being fearful. Boom! You jump out of your skin. It's all the devil has to do. We're too fearful. We're too fearful. We're too fearful. It's because of who we're listening to. Why don't we start listening to the Lord? You know, I've been listening to the Lord for for a long time. And He's never created fear in my heart. Only faith. So we need to be careful who you're listening to. Not everybody gives good advice. George Samuel uh, Clayson wrote a book called The Richest Man in Babylon. And, he, and he's talking about the man in the story learned a great lesson. He went to a brick maker to go out and buy jewels for him. The only problem was the brick maker didn't know the difference between glass and uh, fake jewels and the real thing and lost his shirt. You'll be careful who you're listening to. Second, Oh, how we need to be focused on what's really important. Troubled times can be painful, but they're only temporary. Go back to the pattern. Christians need to live for eternal things. The great missionary martyr Jim Elliot said this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Long after the buildings on earth have crumbled, the stocks and bonds have rotted away, the financial institutions sink, I want you to know the souls of every person will live somewhere for eternity. May we, may we, may we focus on what's really important. And then third, we need to be careful. Bible says in Ephesians 5, 15, walk circumspectfully. It means be careful. Now, it doesn't mean to be worried or fearful, but it means to be on guard, to be aware of what's going on around us. It has the ideal of um, being prepared, being prepared. If you don't, if you don't, if you don't have 
an emergency fund. You ought, to, you ought to work to get you an emergency First thing everybody ought to have is some sort of an emergency fund. Have an emergency fund. Why? Because water heat's going to blow up. You're going to have a flat tire. The battery ain't going to crank. It might not crank in none of your cars. Like Matthew, none of, the other morning, none of his, none of his would crank. The Ford or the Chevrolet, but the Dodge cranked. Hey, man. And, uh, so, I mean, you know, you, 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 you got, you, you don't have a thousand money merchants. Somebody, not, not listen, you, some, some of you are sitting there, my God, how dare you? We can, oh, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. If we had to, yes, you can. It might mean you have to do without, um, Cigarettes if you smoked. You know, if I, I don't smoke, praise God for that, but if I did, I'd quit. They charge too much for them things. I would start wearing the service station. I used to sell them for 15 cents a pack. But if I, if I know something quick, woman in front of me, now maybe I'm wrong. I'm, I, I think I saw her right. I think she'd give $4.50. Man, that'd buy me a $3 triple cheeseburger and a dollar drink. I, I'm thinking, man, oh, I, I'm just, I'm saying you can. You can. Oh, so we, we all, we all, we can all do, and, and just, just, just be careful. Um, and uh, be careful with debt. I told, I told my grandchildren, I said, for God's sake, don't get no credit cards. Don't get no credit cards. Don't get no, are you listening? Don't get no credit cards. How many of you got one yesterday? I got a check in the mail for $7,000. All I got to do is sign it, deposit it in the mail. How many gets one of them? How many of them? I'm a, now, now listen, now you stop thinking about it. Seven thousand dollars. I'm, I'm running the rabbit, but it's it's a little pet peeve I got anyway. And seven thousand dollars. You know how much you paid back on that thing? Forty eight hundred dollars. For seven thousand dollars, you would pay back almost twelve thousand dollars, twenty eight point some percent interest. I'm going to tell you what's the truth. That's the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. I think my, my, my grinder, my shredder loves those things. Be careful with debt. Be careful with debt. And just be careful. Now, I'm going to end with these verses. Psalms 33, verse 13. The Lord looketh from heaven, he beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation... He looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He sees you. He sees you. He fashioneth their hearts alike. He considereth all the works. There is no king saved by the multitude of a host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. A horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any by his own, by his strength. But the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Wow. Do you see that? 
Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in Him because we have trusted in His holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. So I'll stand to our feet. Every head bowed, never eye closed.